appreciate you. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. And, uh, and Pastor, I think you should get a Buddy Barrel guitar. A yellow? Do you have a yellow? Give me anytime I can get a guitar, you just keep encouraging. Okay. A yellow guitar with Buddy. I'll get an AG. AG, Assembly of God guitar. I don't know if Assembly of God want that. But Buddy Barrel wants it, though. A Buddy Barrel guitar. We're going to think about that for Christmas. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful to have you today. Thank you so much, folks, for, for letting us um, highlight the children. Tonight we're highlighting the youth. You know why? Because we need a generation to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. This thing can't stop and end with us. We really need a generation to keep on the move. Hudson and uh, and, and Ellie and little, and little Tommy with his buddy Beryl. And, and when, they get, when they get baby dedications over here, we do baby dedications. And when we do, we give them a little buddy, a little, little buddy barrel. And uh, and they know before they can even say buddy, they know buddy. And buddy's just a representative. You see him in the corner. He has no more arms and he has no more legs. And, and, and the reason is I found out this week is because he, he, he leans. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. Things got too heavy for buddy. So we took and cut his arms and his legs off, but he's still awesome barrel. Chip and Debbie would just stand, and your daughter, we welcome you to our district. Chip and Debbie Dudden, our new C directors and uh, discipleship directors for our district. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Chip and Debbie worked with uh, Jim and Pam for many, many years. I'm sure he'll share something. And of course, you know, uh, Dave and Mary Boyd are our national BGMC directors. You already know them. They're part of our family. Appreciate them, would you? We love them. Dave is just getting back from Africa. And Jim, would you come? Jim and Pam Calvin. Give it up for them as they come and he's coming to share. We love you, Jim Calvin. While you're coming, let me just say he's been a friend. I've been serving with Jim for many years. We met back in 1995. What? Wow. We were both 13. We were 13 when we first met and, uh, and just been friends and no gray hair. And, and I didn't have any gray hair either, but, uh, we were friends back then. And then, uh, we moved to Missouri. And uh, and Jim and Pam were already here, and we've been friends so long. Congratulations on your transition. You're part of our family, and you're part of our friendship and our heart. We love you. One more time, Jim Calvin's going to come. Thank you, Pastor. Man, don't you love your pastors? Let's give them a hand. I I tell you, I love them so much. I, if uh, I know Miss Melissa helps Ron out all the time, my wife helps Mike me out all the time. So let me get where I'm supposed to be here. Man, I tell you, I am just honored to be in this pulpit today. I said, you're, I just love your pastor. I've been known him a long, long time. And you know what? He, no matter where he's at, he talks about people and he talks not in a bad way, in a good way about reaching people and, and the, the heart of the gospel and all those things. So is I am just honored to be here today. So thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be in your pulpit today. And um, I don't want you to um, uh, get out of tradition. So I know that because you have a routine, so I don't want to get out of the routine too much. So just give me just a second here. Forty-six. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I thought, I mean, I said, are they having a, like an ice cream fundraiser or something that they're going to do? Say so they don't want the ice cream to melt. So, yeah. So we love your pastor. We just love him so much. And um, so, and also I'm glad to have my wife Pam with me. She found out I was going to preach. She didn't want to come, but I said I'd wash the dishes. So anyway, so I think she she showed up anyway. And uh, and then um, we have to tell Brooke. I was going, hoping I'd get to tell her, but I'll have to tell her later. She looks great for 37 years old. She looks really nice for 37. And um, we tease Brooke all the time. It's fun. And then no pressure, but then we got Chip and Debbie from the district office. I've been out for a little over a month, and they're already sending somebody to check on me. I'm just thinking, man, oh, man. I. But Chip and Debbie's going to do a wonderful job. We've known them for several, several years, and they have a heart for the, the department and the ministry, and they're going to do a fantastic job. And uh, we love and appreciate them and, and was surprised that they were here today. I'm thinking, what is going on? I thinking, Who else is going to show up today? I didn't know. And then of all the pressures to have me do, I, and I'm glad to be here in this pulpit, but to have, uh, but to have uh, David and Mary Boyd here on BGMC Sunday, I'm thinking, could we, you know, the king and queen of BGMC is going to be here sitting on the second row. Yeah. So the grand poobah is here at BGMC and we're, like an oh my goodness so wow i <laughs> doesn't like pressure so no pressure um i've got a few slides i want to share with you since it's bgmc day and it, good i can see that one up there um is it miss elizabeth that's who i'm talking to okay go ahead next one miss elizabeth I want you to know that global giving in 2021 over 10 million dollars to bgmc that's lots of boys and girls. That's lots of families. When I thank Mary, boy, she prepared some of these slides for me. She had them ready for me. It was all amazing. I was going to do them anyway, but I thought Mary did. I'm thinking, hey, yeah, great. That's awesome. So next slide. 2021 global highlights. Highest giving in BGMC history in 2021. 26 of our districts had a record year. 43% increase over 20. 20. That should be over 2020. Global giving since 1949. Get this. $184 million. Wow. Think how many souls that is. Man, that is just amazing. Next slide. This is Oak Grove's giving for 2021. $14,155. You guys are amazing. I appreciate, appreciate that very much. Uh, this is your ranking, your district ranking in the last, uh, since 2008, 13 out of the 14 years, you guys were in the top 10 in the district. 11 out of 14 years, you're in the top five and twice you're in first place. So you guys are amazing. So thank you for taking your kids and letting them know about BGMC. Um, 1998 to uh, 2021, $142,000. But look, just in the last 10 years, you gave 104,000 of that just in the last 10 years. I will tell you, and I hope if you're here today, please don't be offended. But in 19, uh, go back to that other one, uh, other slide. There you go. In 1998, Oak Grove gave a whopping $35 to BGMC. So praise the Lord. You guys are on the, on the train now, on the missions train. So God bless you for that. Next slide. Okay, Miss Elizabeth. Oak Grove highlights. You've been your second this year in, in Missouri district, second in the district, um, Park Hills, uh, beat you guys just by a few th- couple thousand dollars. You're 25th in the nation 
for Division II churches. Division II churches are churches under 250 people that attend on Sunday morning. So you're 25th in the nation. So congratulations. You're 99th in the entire nation, over 13,000 churches. You're 99th in the nation. So praise the Lord for your giving. I'm going to present this, uh, a Gideon Award. A Gideon Award is presented to churches who are uh, consistent in their BGMC giving over a period of four years in a row. You go, they go by the size of the church. And so you guys, I think yours, I don't know if I can read that, but I think it's um, $4,000 per year for your size church. And so I have a sword that I'd like to present to pastor. Pastor wants to come up here and we'll see if we can do this. Nice. We're going to let the uh, the fifth graders play with this afterward. So, Pastor, I got up here. Let me re- hand this to you. On behalf of boys and girls and their families all over the world, I present you with this symbol of your generous and faithful giving to BGMC, the Gideon Sword. God bless you guys. Amazing. Amazing. I think Pastor said he's going to cut his vegetables up in his office with that. I think you guys need a hand. Let's give yourselves a hand. You did a great job for BGMC. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you for investing in the lives of children. I think BGMC is the number one intergenerational missions tool that we have in the Simmons of God. That's my opinion. And so it's a great, inter- uh, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, everybody gets involved. So thank you, thank you, thank you for BGMC. And I know David and Mary Boyd would echo that sentiment to you guys. Next slide. We're going to talk today about our giving, God's miracles. Today we're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. And as I was doing the study, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle in the Bible besides the resurrection that's mentioned in all four Gospels. So it must have been pretty important for all four of the authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to put this. We're going to take ours today from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. It says, sometime after this, I will set this up, that um, uh, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had just been uh, beheaded uh, by, uh, John, or by, uh, excuse me, Herod, King Herod. And so Jesus, in the, in the other gospel writers, it said that Jesus heard about this and he wanted to kind of separate himself just to, to probably think and I, I guess grieve over his cousin. So he separated himself and they actually went to a, the northern part, uh, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, that was, so they got in a boat, but the people met them there. So anyway, it says sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the sea of Galilee. That is the sea of Tiberias and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, 
for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of you to have a bite, or for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how will they go? How far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down about 5,000 men. So you're talking could be 15,000 plus if everybody, if every man had a wife and one child, 15,000 plus. Then Jesus took the loaves and he gave things and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had gone, when, when they had all, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Father, thank you for your word, for that you would anoint it and you would bless it. You'd watch over it and God put it in our hearts that we would remember it and we would live by it. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I'm looking at the clock and you know exactly what it means when your pastor looks at the clock. Absolutely nothing. So anyway. I love you, Pastor Ron. I love you so much. But so anyway, so here they are. They they uh, they row their boat over to the, the north shore of Bethsaida. And um, Jesus's intentions were to go and just take a little bit of time and to kind of think about his cousin John just been beheaded by Herod, as I said. And... Um, So there they are, and it says, so I'm going to describe this story to you in four, in four words. I have four words for you that's going to describe this story. And so the first word that I, that comes to me as I'm reading the story, number one is desperation. You really look at that in verses one through seven. Here Jesus was deciding that he was going to go and he's just going to get some R and R. He, I'm to think about degree for his cousin. But the people followed them through the, where, where they were going. They were coming because he'd already been healing the sick and performing miracles. So he's, he's going to come and, um, but he sees the crowd and, and the, and the uh, gospel of Mark actually says when he saw the crowd that he had compassion on them like a sheep or like a, uh, yeah, sheep without a shepherd. And so it says here in verse five, when Jesus looked up, and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now think about it. 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000. Good, uh, easy guesstimate. And, he, and then I love the verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So he's asking, he's asking Philip, Philip, how much, or go ahead, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? And Philip's thinking, are, are you, Jesus, do you see it's not just us? It's not just the 12. We got 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000 people. Come on. But uh, uh, Jesus already knew in his heart what he was going to do in this desperation. And he said, Philip said, 
it would take more than a year, a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have one bite. Think about the desperation here that the disciples were going to start feeling. They hear what Jesus, what are we going to do? We're here with all these things. You know, we got all these people here. We don't have any place to send them. There was not one food truck in sight. Just think about a food truck would have been how many, they would have made a killing that day. You know, they sold out. I don't even, the Bible doesn't even mention a donkey caught or a donkey cart selling fish tacos. Nothing. So they're there. They have nothing. 5,000 men plus women and children knows no food. There's no place to buy food. There's no place to send them. The Bible said they were in a remote place. There's no, there's nothing. They are in a desperate state. When I think about the, the, the way the people were here and I think about even the disciples begin to panic. What are we going to do? Cause Sarah in, in the couple of the other uh, gospels, it said that the disciples came to Jesus. Jesus, you need to send these people away. It's getting, it's getting late in the day, you know, and so you need to send these people away and they need to go find some place for them to get something to eat and, and, and for uh, them to find lodging. So the disciples, they weren't even on the boat with Jesus yet as far as in their mind that Jesus could take care of this. They already thinking about, they were, they hadn't been with him enough to know that Jesus is going to, we don't know what's going to happen, but Jesus is going to take care of this. So the world is in desperation. Think about, I mean, we, Pastor mentioned Ukraine. And so all the, the, the terrible stuff that's happening in that, in that country because of evil and because of sin. We are living in a desperate world. And I tell you though, I, I did hear a positive note. I was listening to Christian radio the other day. I don't know if it's KADI or the wind. And they said they heard a report that all of the, the bookstores in the Ukraine were sold out of Bibles. Hallelujah, right? People are hungry and searching. And so when they get in a, a tight spot, they're going to look to God for hope and peace in their life. So thank the Lord they sold out a Bible. So hopefully that God will bring many people into his kingdom through this, this, this terrible tragedy. But the world is in a, is a, in a world of desperation. I tell you, I've, since I've, I've uh, stepped down from the district office, I decided I would go back and do a little bit of subbing uh, in our public schools. And I've subbed five different times in a special ed classroom. Um, four of those were elementary, and one of them was a high school class on uh, Friday. And so I want you to know, if you've got kids or grandkids in the school, you need to send their teacher some flowers or a chocolates or something. I'm telling you, every parent needs to go and be in the class. You can't. But it'd be in the classroom one day to see what those teachers are dealing with. These kids are coming from hell. Some of the homes that they are coming from is hell. And it is terrible. I mean, some of the things that they're, and, and they're having, um, difficulties. These kids, the culture is changing that these kids, uh, have no more respect for anybody and as a man in the moon. Some of you, if you've got a little bit of gray hair, you, you always, if so, if an adult asks you to do something appropriate, you did what that adult said. You listened, didn't you? You said, you said up, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, please, thank you, may I? None of that. 
And so these kids are lost. And we, we don't want to, we don't want to put all that on the kids. It's the parents. The parents. I was just talking with Melissa before that, that, um, one teacher was trying to deal with them and trying to do something nice for one of the kids. And the parent came in and jumped all over the teacher for doing something nice for their kid. Don't be, don't be messing in my business. So you know what? This world is in desperation. And so they're looking and they're searching and they're hungry for something. They're hungry for something. And in ourselves, we don't have what it takes to feed them. We are in a state of desperation. And these 15,000 people were in a state of desperation. The, the disciples did not have an answer for them. But uh, once again, if you go back to verse number 6, I love that. Jesus asked the question of Philip, and he said, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already thinking, they're panicking. What are we going to do, Jesus? Jesus thinking, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Just hang on. You're going to see my plan. So the first word is desperation. So we know that we live in a world that is desperate for the gospel, desperate for hungering after the word of God, desperate for something. They don't know what they're, they're, they're hungering for. They're trying all different kinds of stuff. All different kinds of stuff. And they don't know that they are looking for the gospel of Jesus Christ. BGMC gives our missionaries tools to be able to be more effective, to more effectively reach the world in desperation. If you told somebody, some of our missionaries, we want you to go dig a ditch and you gave them a shovel about this long, they could dig that ditch, couldn't they? They would dig it. It would take them forever to dig a ditch that is 50 feet long. But then if you brought in a backhoe and you began to use a backhoe to dig that ditch, how much quicker they could dig that ditch. When you give to BGMC, you're giving them tools that they can use, not necessarily a backhoe. They might be backhoes. I don't know if they have backhoes sometimes. But I know they provided cows and pigs for a, a, a family to um, goats for a family to raise and, and then to raise the money off the milk and, and sell off the meat. So BGMC provides all those things for our missionaries, so it provides tools for our missionaries to get the job done more effectively. So here we are in a desperation. We're in a desperate state. But then we see in verse 8 and 9, sacrifice. Sacrifice. And it says here in verse 8 and 9, it says, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Do you recognize Andrew also being the one that brought Simon Peter to Jesus? Andrew's evangelist. He's bringing, he's connecting people to Jesus. So he, somehow or another, Andrew was the one that found this little boy with, with five loaves and two fish. And he says here, um, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will or will they go among so many? Once again, Andrew thinking, we've got a partial solution to this problem, Jesus. If we only had like two or three more thousand people with this much, we might have everybody can have a, a small taste, a snack. But the one boy they found, he had five loaves and two fish. Now, I think the interesting thing in this story, and, this, and John's the only one that mentions the boy. They all mentions the five loaves and two fish, but John's the only one to mention that it was a boy, little boy that brought the brought his lunch. So I'm thinking of 15,000 people. There's not very many organizers in that crowd that they're going to go to a remote place 
knowing that there's not going to be a food truck there and they're not going to bring their lunch with them. Of course, maybe they didn't know, you know, I don't know. Maybe Jesus had a bunch of closings like pastor does. I don't know. So they weren't prepared for all those closings, pastor. Maybe, I don't know. But so here they were and but this little boy brings his lunch. Now I, I kind of did some research on how big a loaf was. And some people were saying it's a regular sized loaf. And some people say it was no smaller. I'm just thinking common sense that the boy is not going to be dragging around a bag of five big loaves of bread. So it's going to be something he can carry in a pouch or something that's smaller. So I happen to have, I happen to have the boy's lunch with me. I don't know if you know it. It happened to be in the BGMC bucket, you know, so go figure. So, so the boy brought his lunch. Oh, here's my buddy barrel. But the boy brought his lunch of five loaves and two fish. Well, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know if I could, I went to Walmart and you really couldn't find barley loaves. So I got the next best thing. I got Twinkies. So the boy had five, five Twinkies. And I, I knew fish might smell up the place. So I got two cans of tuna. So the boy brought his lunch. Five loaves and two small fish. And he was, you know, the Bible doesn't give me his name. We don't know anything about him. We don't know the attitude. I assume that he willingly gave it to Jesus. I hope, I hope that the disciples didn't say, hey, we're taking that, you know. Um, so, uh, but I hope that they, he willingly gave it to Jesus, but he sacrificed. Now you think about if we were to pass these five Twinkies out and two cans of tuna to this congregation, I know some of you would hoard the Twinkies. I know how you are. That's why I'm not putting them down there because I want to keep them safe up here. But you think about that. Even the five Twinkies and two cans of tuna would not feed this congregation. So think about a boy bringing five loaves and two fish to Jesus, and they're going to feed 15,000 people. So Andrew is at least thinking, hey, we've got something. It's not enough. There's no way. And so this, but you know what? So you think about this would be a small, small thing for a huge crowd. But for that boy, that was a huge sacrifice. He gave his whole lunch. Then he's going to have to go home to his mom and say, you know, if, if Jesus wouldn't have performed a miracle, go home to his mom and say, what did you do with your lunch? Um, the adults took it. The adults took my lunch. I didn't get my lunch. So here this little boy sacrificed all that he had for the kingdom, and it was nothing compared to what was going to have to happen for this huge crowd of 15,000 people. So then, so that sacrifice came. And you know what? How many times do we think my little 5 or 10 or 15 or $20 is not going to matter in the whole scope of things around the world? But you saw the global giving for BGMC because everybody gave a one or a five or a 10 or a 20. They gave what they had. They gave what God had blessed them with. And that's how God used that to minister to people all around the world. So we're getting ready to, after desperation, they're in desperate state. Now the disciples are still not there yet. They know we've got five Twinkies and two cans of tuna. That's what we got for 15,000 people. So even though Andrew was at least thinking, hey, we I found somebody, and he connected him with Jesus, it's still not gonna, it's still not gonna work. 
So when we begin to think about all only, well, and the enemy will tell you, your, what you give to God is not going to amount to anything. It's not going to do any good. You might as well just keep your $5. You might as well keep your $20. Just keep it. It's not going to do any good. So it's a sacrifice. But for that little boy, that was a total sacrifice. For an impossible situation, in a desperate situation, that little boy gave everything he had. And so the fact that that little boy gave everything he had was important enough to be in all four Gospels. Think about that. So five, four lo- or five loaves and, and two fish were important enough for all the gospel, uh, writers to include that in, in their, in their account of, of, uh, the story of Jesus. So when you begin to think about what you can give to God and how you give and how faithful you are to give, don't let the enemy say it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. It matters. It matters. And I want you to know, I'm going to, uh, I think I can say this. The, uh, for BGMC this year, or 2021, it was a record giving year. There was only one other year that, that there was more than $300,000 given. And that was uh, back, I think it was 2003 when they gave, um, we gave, uh, $316,000 to BGMC as a district this year. And, um, in, 2003, they gave two, or let me get this right, 320,000, so 4,000 more in 2003. But that was when one large church in our district gave $100,000 of that. So here we are in 2021, and we have over $316,000 given but because it's all of our churches participating at where they can participate. So not one church carried the district that year, this year. So that's everybody doing what they can do. So if you can't do a thousand dollars, you do what can you do? 20. What can you do? And God will bless your efforts for whatever sacrifice that you make to the kingdom of God. We think we can't make a difference, but we don't need to listen to the enemy. So we had desperation. We see a sacrifice happening, this little boy. It's going to be cool to, to I would let, you know, when you get to heaven, hope he make heaven. Hope he gave his heart to Jesus. <clears throat> It'd be cool to see him in heaven and talk to him about that. Wouldn't it be cool? What, you know, what was you thinking? When the disciples came and thinking, anybody got any food? Hey, anybody got any food at all? Anybody got to bring anything? Oh, just one boy. Everybody else is, you know, what, what are you thinking? So, but there was a sacrifice. And then we see the power. Next, oh, there we go. Verses 10 to 13 says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was a plan. There was an organized plan. Jesus didn't fly by the seat of his pants. He had a plan. He was organized. This is what we're going to do. We're set down in groups of 50 or 100, the other gospel authors said. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left, left over and let nothing be wasted. 
So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the, with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So Jesus took the small sacrifice, the small gift, the huge sacrifice for the boy, but the small gift to the crowd. And he took that, and the Bible says that he thanked the Lord for it. He thanked God the Father for it. He blessed it and thanked and was thankful. And as we are thankful and as we are, are, are connecting with God and we are in tune with God and we're praying to God and talking to God, then God comes up and he shows the miraculous and he takes the five loaves and the two fish, the five Twinkies and the two cans of tuna. And he turns it into to feeding 15,000 people. And then Jesus said, we don't want to waste it. So let's go take up the remainder. And the Bible says they, they actually gathered up 12 basketfuls of Twinkies and tuna. Leftover. This is the leftovers. This is the leftovers. Don't squish that Twinkie, you'll know. So here's what they started off with. Five, five loaves and two fish. And when the power of God came on the scene, the power of God came on the scene and Jesus said, watch what I'm going to do. That's just what's so great about verse six. If you read verse, you can almost, you can almost see Jesus smiling. You can just see him. Philip, why don't you go ahead and feed these people bread? He's thinking, ah, oh, this, this is going to be so cool. There's a little boy here. He's a little boy here. And we're going to take his five, five Twinkies and two cans of tuna. And we're going to turn it in and we're going to feed 15,000 people. And then at the end of that, we're going to have 12 baskets left over so that we can waste and we can gift out to the poor as we're traveling and we can have food to eat as we're traveling from one city to the next city. So folks, when we, when we listen to the voice of God and, and we know that we're in a desperate state and we know that we're having difficulties in our family or at our job or whatever it is, and we still sacrifice our time to give to God or we give, give, give out of our, uh, 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 finances to the Lord or our time or whatever it is we give to God. And it's a sacrifice sometimes. And when we do that, we think, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to take care of me. Because once God takes care of you once, you know that he can do it again. And the enemy will remind you, God's forgotten about you. God doesn't care about you anymore. You're, you're, uh, here you are in this trouble and here you're going to church every week and you're, you're giving your tithes and then you're in this kind of state. He wants to try to discourage us. But if we read this story and we look at this story and we can always remember that God takes what we have and he multiplies it in in what we don't have. And this, just think, the 12 basketfuls were more than than what we started off with. Because of committing it to God and knowing that the power of God is what does it. There's nobody here that's that's able to to meet these needs or take care of these things. There's nobody in your family that you can go to and say, hey, I want you to help me with this. I need you to take care of this and fix this for me. There's some things that are beyond our human uh, abilities. But God, when the power of God comes down, we know that God is going to take care of this situation because we've been faithful and because he's faithful. Jesus had a plan. He was dependent upon God's faithfulness and power. And we are dependent upon God's faithfulness and power. 
you're not going to work it up. You're not going to just say, well, I'm just going to snap my fingers. It's all going to be better. I'm going to put a smile on my face. It's all going to be better. No, some of those things are required to have the power of God to come in and break those bondages in our life. Jesus took the small gift and performed a great miracle. If he could do this with just bread and fish or Twinkies and tuna, if he could do that with just two small things, what can he do in the hearts of families around the world because of his power? If you talk to our missionaries very long, especially overseas, you'll hear miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle of the things that God does. So why, why doesn't God do that in America? Good question. Maybe because we got it too easy. Got it too easy. When's the last time you've been persecuted for being a Christian? Well, we've got some of our our pastors in Iran and Iraq that are going to prison and they're killing them because they're a Christian. They're becoming a Christian in some of the Muslim families and they're kicking them out. And you no longer, you're dead to us. You're no longer part of our family. But our missionaries and people around the world are seeing miraculous signs and wonders because they are dependent upon, not because of of what their their Bible knowledge is or how much they go to church, but they're dependent on the power of God. God, you've got to do something. So we've got, next slide, Miss Elizabeth. So we got, then we got authority. So we got desperation, got a desperate situation. We got a sacrifice by a little boy. That was a great sacrifice for him, but not so much for the crowd. There was power. The power of God came in. And then we see in verse 14, I don't, you know what? And I don't know if I'd ever noticed this before, but in verse 14, uh, it says, after the people saw the sign, Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So here Jesus had a plan. He, so we wanted, he wanted to make sure that the people knew that he wasn't some kind of just magician or some kind of shyster that was after their money. He was after their hearts. And so he was going to prove to them that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. He was going to show them that, hey, you know what? I provided you with um, a little bit of food today, but I'm, I am the bread of life. And when you hunger after me, you're never going to, you're never going to be hungry. When you, well, I'm the, I'm the living water. When you thirst after me, you're never going to be thirsty again. So he was going to, he was hoping that they would make the connection between a, a Twinkie and a can of tuna to the fact that God can meet all of my needs and God is there for me regardless. And God wants to minister not just to my physical being, but to my spiritual being. So when he does that for these people, so 15,000 people were there. And you know what? You wasn't going to convince them. I don't care what any of the news channels said. It was just a farce. It really didn't happen. And the crowds weren't that really that big. And they were, you know, and they still, they had food stashed behind, behind the trees. You've got 15,000 people said, no, I was there. I saw the little boy. I saw the five loaves and two fish. I saw that with my own eyes. But you know what? God miraculously, you know, gave us all food. And we, and the Bible says they ate until they were full. I was there and I saw after that the disciples run 12 baskets through and they took up 12 baskets full of leftovers. I saw it. You're not going to convince me any otherwise. So you know what? So this demonstrated the authority of Jesus in the fact that he wasn't just about feeding them 
the a physical substance. He was about feeding them spiritually and so that they would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and they would come into the kingdom of God and they would know that they know that they know that now their name is written down in glory. So you know what? As God does miraculous things, sometimes he, you know, I believe God does it just, just to show us he loves us. Just to show us he loves us. He doesn't have any other reason for it. He doesn't have to. You're not going to twist God's arm and say, God, you have to do this. You know, I'm ready for my new Cadillac. God, when I get done here, I'm expecting my new Cadillac to be parked out there. Ron, did you get it ordered? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I needed one. They got my truck at the district office too. So, yes, I, yes, I needed one of those too. But you know what? So it's not like you're twisting God's arm, but sometimes God just says, I'm going to do it because I love you. And you know what? I, I And whenever I'm talking to kids, I say, God always answers the prayers three ways. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. We don't like it when he says no. And sometimes he says wait. So you know what? When we are serving God, then there is authority in Jesus Christ. And we know that God loves us and he does it because he loves us. And sometimes he does it to show that he is still in charge. So we got, next slide there, Miss Elizabeth. We got a desperate situation. Maybe you're in a desperate situation today. Maybe you sacrificed all you know to do. And me saying it's not going to matter. Maybe you're here and you just, you definitely need the power of God in your life. You've tried all the ways that you can think of to fix it and you can't fix it. Because you need to understand that the authority of Jesus Christ in your life is necessary. John wanted everyone to know that Jesus wasn't just a shyster or a magician, but the Messiah. Because of the ministry of BGMC, people all over the world are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ of Nazareth because of your faithful giving. Are you giving 100000 No. But what you're giving is, is ministering to people and their families, boys and girls and their families all around the world. Our giving, God's miracle, desperation, was desperation, then sacrifice, then the power of God shows up and then his authority is demonstrated. Our world is in a desperate place. As we sacrificially give to BGMC, we allow the power of God to be released, to set free those who are in spiritual bondage. BGMC demonstrates the authority that Jesus has over death, hell, and the grave on a global scale. Not just feeding the belly. Uh, David was just talking today about they put in a new water well. In Africa, he would just come back from Africa and put a new water well. And in one of the places that they went, uh, David, I hope I get this story right. The prime minister, president, the prime minister of Tanzania meets them at their meeting place at where they're dedicating this water well. And the prime minister of Tanzania said, we really just want you to put some more water wells in. Well, the missionary talked to him and said, well, we'll put more, well, we like to put them on the campus on the property of an assembly of God church. And the prime minister of Tanzania, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, 
said to the missionaries, well, in that case, we're prepared to give you property for 14 new Assembly of God churches. We're not going to sell you the land. We're going to give you the land so you can build a church and put a water well on that property. Amazing. The authority of God, the favor of God. Kids, I've got some um, kids that's going to pat at the end of our service here today. I've got four um, baskets of saltine crackers. I didn't want to give out my tuna. I'm keeping my tuna and my Twinkie, sorry. That's too big a sacrifice for me. I can't give those up. But the kids, I, and uh, Pastor Ron at the end, so I, we're, we're fine for now, Ron. But we're going to have uh, Chrissy and her team come up. But, you know, everybody's going to get on the way out a package. These happen to be Wendy's. Wendy's saltine crackers that you get with your chili. Now, some of the men, as soon as they get in the car, they're going to cram them in their mouth and they're going to eat them because they're hungry. The women, you women are going to put them in your purse. You're going to find them in uh, 10 years in the bottom of your purse. With your ketchup packets. But you know, and um, uh, Miss Elizabeth, go ahead and put um, the Waymaker slide up there. If you got, Chris, Miss Chrissy, if we could do that, the Waymaker song, okay? Just a minute here. You put this, can you put the slide up so that people can see? But everybody's going to get a package of saltines because it's not about these two little crackers in this package. But I want you to take these as a symbol of the faithfulness of God. I want you to take these packer, these, these crackers today and I want you to, to every time you open a package of crackers or you eat saltines at your house, I want you to remember that God takes small gifts and he makes big miracles out of those small gifts. So you ladies are going to keep this in your purse for 10 years. It's going to be amazing because you can pull it out and you're thinking, wow, God is faithful. So I want you to think about this. It's your gifts. It's your gifts. It was a little boy's gift. Little boy's gift. But God was faithful and God performed the miracle. So I don't know where you are with your, with your life. So Pastor Ron, whenever the, the, at, we're toward the end, um, the, boy, the boys and girls are going to be out there in the foyer and everybody can take a thing of saltines. And once again, if you eat them, you throw them away, I don't care. But I'm going to pray. When I pray, I'm going to pray that every single time you see a saltine cracker, every single time you see a saltine cracker, you're going to remember the fact that Jesus is bigger than anything that you face. They're going to go all the way out in the foyer, Pastor. It's fine. But when, when we dismiss, you can get them when you dismiss. And I, it's, so it's not about the cracker, but it's, it's a reminder that God is faithful and he'll take your small gifts and he'll perform miracles out of them. And that God, even though he met the need of those 15,000 people, just because a little boy was willing to donate and sacrifice his small gift to the group, but a big gift for him. You're here today. I want you to look at those words of that song. 
I'm closing. Look at the words of that song. Waymaker, miracle worker. Love it. Promise keeper. How many people have you had in your life that gave you a promise and didn't keep it? Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. They're telling us now that China, and I don't know if I got this from the boys or not, China could be, they don't really know, could be the largest Christian nation in the world. China. But you know what? They're all meeting in homes. They're all meeting, they're not having church like this. They're meeting in homes. Somebody said, estimated that there may be more Christians in China than there are communists. Wow. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. The darker it is, the brighter the light shines.